What is up, everybody? Welcome to Take 31 of Take It On, the mental health podcast for young men. I'm Jonah Jacobs here with my co-host, Reed Milkins, and we've got a great episode for you all today focused on an issue that hits very close to home for, for the both of us about men's body image issues. Reed, anything you want to say before we jump in with Aaron? The episode speaks for itself, man. Episode 31, or should I say take 31, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of Take It Out. I don't want to get too emotional about that, man. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Let's get right into it. Episode 31. We're super excited to welcome Aaron Flores, a registered dietitian and certified body trust advisor. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you both. So are we, we really appreciate, especially the, the baby Yoda in the background. Love, love a good star Wars fan. Um, I mean, if you really want to go deep, right. I got like Yoda here. It's not great for podcasts, but I'm holding up a Yoda. I got a Yoda. <laughs> I got a star Wars tattoo. I oh, got nice. Yoda stuff all over. So, uh, star Wars runs deep for me, and especially in wore, this work. <laughs> I should have wear my May 4th shirt. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, actually Star Wars comes up a lot in this work for me. So uh, that's why I have all this stuff in, in addition to loving it. Well, when we do our, our little end segment of taking on trivia, we're going to have to, we're going to have to hear why. Um, and okay. if you agree with my, my ranking of the movies. Um, okay. So Sounds now, good. Let's, let's dive right in. I would love to hear about your background and what led you to pursue a profession in uh, nutrition and dietetics. Yeah. Um, my background is um, I'm, uh, I grew up in, I was born in Mexico, raised in Los Angeles. I um, am biracial, white passing, cis white male. I live in a larger body. Uh, and, you know, I grew up um, with a very sort of uh, upper middle class background here in LA, which uh, LA is a weird place uh, for sure. There's uh, a lot of, a lot of privilege, but also a lot of like image conscious um, uh, things that show up. I went to, uh, I lived near the beach and grew up to high, grew up in a high school where like everyone goes to the beach, right? It's sort of like, I went to school with Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times Richmond. That was, that was about my high school. Um, and, um, and, you know, I sort of floundered, uh, after I went, after I graduated high school, I, I went to college, but I, I was enrolled. I didn't go. Um, I was not ready for college. I just sort of meandered my way through that experience. Um, came home to LA and got a game in the, got a, a job in the video game industry. Like, so this is like in the nineties. So think like dot-com world uh, just sort of blowing up and was working in that industry. And throughout all of that, I had struggled with food and body my entire life, probably since I was like, you know, early teens. And um, in probably like in my mid twenties, I started to diet like pretty intensely. Uh, Most people thought it was just a diet, but it was probably an eating disorder uh, under the, the guise of dieting. And I was really miserable in my career. I was in the midst of like a very super restrictive eating pattern and a super regimented exercise pattern. And of course the career that shows up to chain, you know, to, to, that sort of lured me was, Oh, let's just talk about food all day, right? Let's become a dietitian to tell everyone 
how to lose weight. Cause that's what I had done. Right. I had lost weight. And so the hubris of me was like, if I can do it, everybody can do it. And so that's really what led me to become a dietitian. It was pretty disordered. It was assuming that everyone could lose weight and keep it off. And it was from this very sort of weight loss focused perspective, which is 180 degrees from how I practice now. I want to kind of dive right into something you just said. Um, you said you made an assumption that everyone could lose weight and keep it off. Um, mm-hmm. That a myth that needs to be dispelled? Is that not the case? That is not the case. Uh, I the, the research shows that around five, 10% of folks will lose weight and keep it off in their lifetime. Most people will regain weight in three to five years. So, you know, everyone will come to me and say like, oh, but Aaron, this worked, right? I, I was keto, it worked. I was paleo, it worked. I was whatever, I counted my macros, it worked. Yeah. And then when you stop doing it, it doesn't work anymore. And so this idea that body size is something that we can control is, is really not that accurate. Um, it, it, it assumes that anyone in a larger body just isn't working hard enough to make it smaller. And that's just not the case either. And so our body size is largely genetic and you know we can fumble with it a little bit, but it's pretty much um, out of our control around what size body we'll navigate this world in. Wow, that's really interesting. An assumption I probably have made, or the wrong assumption, I feel like I frequently made. Um, I, I mean, one of the reasons I was very interested to, to reach out, um, I became a fan of the, the 10% Happier podcast uh, mm-hmm. with, with Dan Harris. I, I heard you on it and uh, your, your insights and perspective on, um, on not only eating, but kind of body image in general, kind of the byproduct of our relationships with food and the the challenges we have really resonate with me as someone who um, had some pretty challenging uh, struggles with it earlier. Um, like when I, mm-hmm. when I was younger and now and just, you know, kind of almost always trying to calibrate that, that healthy relationship, especially as, you know, someone who is very interested in fitness as well. And all of the information that comes about um, that with the entanglement of the two. Um, and so I'm curious, how, how has your, your work and especially coupled with, with that insight that, um, you know, our dieting cannot necessarily solve our ability to, to permanently lose weight, that our body type plays a role. How has that influenced your, your view of men's body image issues and insecurities and, and the kind of the broader context that surrounds like diet culture when you were really yeah. well situated in, in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, you know, diet culture for those folks who are just sort of like wondering what, how I would define that. It, I, I, I see diet culture as really almost everywhere. I think it touches almost every parts of our lives. And it's this idea Right. That is um, that sort of what I alluded to earlier is that like you need to eat perfectly healthy. And if you do, you will attain both these physical and um, and sort of health results of doing that. And I think diet culture stems from the idea that being 
in a larger body. And I'm going to use the word fat, not as a derogatory term, but really just as a descriptor of body size, um, is that being fat is the worst thing you could do. And you will be ridiculed and treated differently in this world based on your body size. And so diet culture stems from that feeling uh, and the two are sort of really connected. And when it comes to men, the I think that the misconception is that body image is just a female identified thing. And that it just, it just purely um, women who identify as, or people who identify as female will struggle with body image. And I think that's really damaging way of thinking about it because everyone struggles with body image. And I think it is a very common experience for, for men and those identifying as male to struggle with body image in a really profound way. I think it looks a little bit different. And I think the, the nuances are probably a little bit different, but it's for sure there. And I think because people assume men won't struggle, that means men won't talk about it. And then when they do, they are teased or they're bullied or they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's almost like you're thought to be feminine because you're worried about your body. But the reality is I think through athletics, through, um, through like men's health, through fitness, uh, through um, a lot like performance, right? Through masculinity, I think body image is really quite profoundly in, um, messaged through for, for men throughout their life. So it, it, for sure, I think it's something that, that folks struggle with. Could you get into some of the, you know, stigmas and um, the relationships that people have with their bodies that are kind of impacted by, you know, maybe that, that toxic masculinity that you were describing? And, you know, if people are going out to sports bars, um, maybe they're straying away from eating something healthy for that fear of, you know, people are going to think that, you know, being health conscious is a, a feminine trait. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's woven into masculinity so many ways. I think of athletics. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, and like every time I watch a game, you know, and they introduce a player, they talk about their weight. Like, I don't need to know how much like, uh, you know, Tom Brady weighs. I don't need to know anything. I don't need to know like all these people's weights yet it's like scrutinized beyond belief and then coaches right even if you're not a pro athlete like high school um you know college i think you know it sort of shows up as like oh well you got to be performing in this way right you got to be like um build muscle you got to like do these things if you're going to achieve these goals and you know i think it sets us up for this idea that like we all are going to be LeBron James. And guess what? There's only going to be one LeBron James. Like none of us are really going to achieve that level of success in sports. Most of us are just going to be sitting at the sports bar, hanging out, watching some sports, right? Yet the belief is like, well, if I just work hard enough, I could do it, right? Or if I like just push myself past the limits of my body, I will achieve it. Um, 
And so, you know, I think, I think that's one piece. I think the other piece is that there's this masculine idea that taking care of ourselves, um, this masculine idea that taking care of ourselves is somehow weak, right? And taking our, taking care of our whole self, not just sort of like one aspect. And I think, you know, the way people judge each other's food, like that example you're giving, right? If I'm like in a sports bar and I order wings versus a salad, you know, like I'm going to get comments on one versus the other. Like, why am I getting comments? Why, why do we feel like it's okay that as soon as I order food that someone should make a comment about it or that like, I need to justify it, right? Oh, it's my cheat day, right? I'm, I'm totally going, um, you know, going, going nuts today because it's my cheat day. So I'm allowed to eat it. You know, I think the way in which people are judging each other's food and judging um, like the, you know, the body, their bodies is really intense. And I, again, I don't think it's something that is just common within a female identified body. I think the way the, the masculinity shows up around it, I think it shows up as much more like teasing, um, like not, I, I, amongst friends, it might not feel like bullying, but I think it's like, you know, like you're this weakness around that if your body doesn't fit or if you're, you're doing things to like take care of yourself that might feel or be perceived as feminine. It's interesting that you bring this up in the same breath as like masculinity, because a lot of people perceive something that's pure masculinity as like going to the gym, working out, stuff like that. And my experience in that like gym culture and that um, community is very uplifting. A lot of people are supportive of each other's goals and, you know, it's not like the biggest guy in the gym is teasing the little guy, the little guy compliments the big guy and the big guy, you know, gives him advice and tells him to keep working and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, even people who are in what looks like great shape, you're saying that everyone, everyone struggles in their own ways with, you know, body composition even those, those biggest guys in the gym who look like they're the peak of, of physical performance, they're looking at themselves in the mirror and they're like, damn, like I'm looking small today. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, but you know, there's you know, being someone who grew up focused on athletics and who lives a, a healthy lifestyle and, and goes to the gym almost every day, you know, someone who looks at me may think, Oh, like, what kind of like body image issues would he have? But there are some days, you know, I go to the gym and I look at myself, I'm like, damn, yesterday I was thinking I look big. And today it's like, wow, I look tiny. Um, so everyone, everyone really does in their, in their own ways, whether it's necessary or not. Um, yeah. Well, I think you bring up, a, I think you bring up something really interesting too, is like, and is because community and like connection with people, I think is really important. And usually a lot of folks will find that in athletics, right? Or at the gym. And I think that connection is extremely important. And that supportive, that your supportive nature of it is great. The thing I want to sort of bring light to a little bit though, is when that 
community also like, or in that, or for the individual, it becomes rigid. Like I have to go to the gym today, right? Like I'm bad if I don't, right? Like I'm tired. It's been a long day, but I got to go. Right. And I need to do X amount of reps. And if I don't get this amount of reps in, that's bad. Right. Or I failed versus like, you know what, like what's, what's the more sustainable, maybe like kind way of approaching it. Right. And, and I think you're right. Like, I think there's something about like, no matter who's in that gym, I mean, look at, I don't know about the gym you go to, but the ones I know of, there's no shortage of mirrors. There yeah, is no shortage of mirrors where people are like, really like either doing their exercise right in front of it or after like looking in front, looking at themselves in the mirror, scrutinizing like, oh, my deltoid is this, right? Or my pecs are like this. And like, I think that's the place where things become so problematic, right? Is like, if I love, if you love lifting, lift away, have fun, have at it, right? It doesn't matter does it matter the end result or does it matter that this is that lifting is something that helps you helps helps you feel strong empowered is good to build muscle right i think what happens is so many people get focused on the end result and that it needs to match a certain um a certain thing based on my output where it becomes problematic yeah totally i i think about how i've done this in the last like i just think of a very easy not for me, not a harmful example, but how this line of thinking applied in other cases and or more frequently or to like extreme binging can be really problematic. Like my, uh, my roommate and I, we, there's this, uh, there's this burger place called Ocheval that we love. Reed, Reed knows this place. It's, it's like one of my favorite burgers ever. I, uh, I don't eat pork anymore. I haven't for the last two years, except when I get this burger, it is unreal. I get like a triple and whenever it's like a special occasion that I do it, especially cause like the, the lack of pork is a, um, it's a religious reason. And so, um, though, like when I know I'm going to have that meal, I'm like, Oh, like I'm going to for sure have a crazy workout today. That line of thinking when applied to other cases applied every day to, to your diet can have extremely harmful ramifications, not for just how you're viewing food, but how you're, how you're viewing fitness. Um, like, cause I, I think you, I think Aaron, I thought you brought up a very important delineation, which is I, cause I can be pretty rigid about going to the gym for myself, but it's disconnected from, from food. It's much more intertwined with my, my mental health than just like it. I just, I love, I love to work out. It makes me feel good. Like it is like, it is oftentimes one of my favorite parts of the day. And so that sense of rigidness stems from a uh, desire for routine and structure and also to prioritize and enshrine this, this activity I hold pretty sacred in, in, in my day. But mm-hmm. when you, you carve it and create this, you know, kind of like codependency, if you will, about how you create a relationship with the food, I can see that being uh, really harmful. And yeah, there are, yeah. there are two, well, there's two other things I want to quickly comment on that you mentioned earlier uh, that I just thought were really interesting. The first was in your anecdote about, um, players weights. I, I, I notice it so often that, um, and, and this, like, it's, you know, your insight on body type makes so much more sense here. It's like, I, I'm a huge NBA fan. And so, uh, the, you know, like Kevin Durant's weight doesn't really matter as, as much 
it, it just doesn't matter. His body type is, is so disconnected from his weight in the same way that weight might be more important to another player's performance, if you will. Same thing with like, like Chet Holmgren, the recent draft pick, like his, his weight clearly intersects with his game in a different way than other players than someone like Shaq, you know, like it just, it's like, I'm, it's on a continuum. And like Anthony Davis got so much derision, mm-hmm. I think this past season, because, you know, when he came in the league, it was like, oh, he needs to put on weight. And then this past year he puts on muscle and, oh my God, it was the reason he got hurt and all this stuff. And like, how do you jostle back and forward. And so like, I'm wondering, I mean, obviously uh, uh, giving advice to AD would probably be a bit of a stretch here, but for, 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 for men who have, who, who kind of struggle with the um, like body image issues and, and face these sort of um, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but mm-hmm. these kind of like these dilemmas that, that we're describing about having a, a, you know, a harmful relationship with fitness as it relates to how much they can eat or, the, the fear of being teased for like, you know, either skipping a beer to watch the game, getting like, or eating like, as Reed said, like eating a salad, a sports bar, like what, what kind of, what kind of advice would you, would you give to these men? Yeah. Well, I, I would call it stigma. I think weight stigma is a real thing. And there's a ton of research to show the impact of weight stigma. So I think there is, I think that's an appropriate word here. Um, my, my advice to folks, Again, this might seem to you all and to your listeners pretty radical, um, is what if you stopped thinking of your body as a project? What if you stopped thinking about your body as something that um, you always need to be working on? And instead, right, think about what kind of things do I need to really take care of myself. So there's no ledger, right? You, there, the, the triple burger you have at the, what's what's the place called? Uh, oh, Cheval. Oh, Cheval, right? So yeah. uh, sounds great. Love it, right? I will take it up against In-N-Out and we'll have our own debate after oh this. Oh my God, but not even in the same league. You're talking minor leagues versus like Hall of Fame. Yeah, so it's nice that you put Oshavals down in the minor league and you really oh, have the, oh, the in okay. and out. So I thank you. It. I appreciate that, Reed. Yeah. I know that you meant the opposite there. Um, I, but anyway, I love a good but, but, double double <laughs> August or what's it called? Animal style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oshival yeah. knocks it out of the park, man. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. I, I just, I couldn't. No, it's good. Listen, burger debates are par- probably <laughs> some of the most important discussions that we need to have right now. Without a doubt. Um, no, so, so I think, you know, there's no ledger, right? You don't need to justify eating something or you don't need to work it off the next day is sort of get rid of the shoulds right if you're if you're if you're doing all of these things around food and body from a place of i should i would like to question that i would like you to be curious about that and instead do what feels right you know and sometimes it might be having the burger and sometimes it might not be sometimes it might be running you know, four miles. And some days it might be like going for a walk with a friend in the park or like throwing the, tossing the Frisbee, right? It doesn't matter like what it is. It's that you're doing something. And I think the, the place to really think about is how much of our conversation around food and body comes from a place of you should be dot, dot, dot. 
And I think anytime that happens, it comes from a place of shame. And no behavior is sustainable when it comes from a place of shame. I totally, that, that totally resonates with me that if it's something that you're saying to yourself, oh, I should be this or that, that it's probably not sustainable. So you mentioned earlier, um, as an example, keto may not be sustainable. Um, what are some sustainable, not solution, solutions, not the right word, because it's not necessarily a problem if, our, if it's not a project, like you mentioned, but what are some suggestions? Are our listening crowd is a lot of college upperclassmen, recent graduates, what can they do to develop healthier relationships between food and body? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, the first thing I would start with is, you know, I, I think your, your, your question is, is really powerful because I think for, for folks who have never heard anything like this before, it's going to feel like this is like, a, you know, I'm, I might be some like guru, you know, from the West coast, like espousing like some wackadoo crap. Right. It's not what this is, right? All the stuff I'm talking about is grounded in science. It's grounded in research. And, and so the first thing I think is really helpful, this was my entry point into all of this, is learning about intuitive eating. And intuitive eating is a book written by Elise Resch and Evelyn Triboli, and it's in its fourth edition. And it talks about how do we change our relationship to food to something that is more compassionate and peaceful rather than a war or something we need to fight. And I think that is a great entry point. It, they go through like 10 different principles. Um, and, and I think that is a place that I think is really helpful to think about your relationship with food. Some people might need a step back from that, right? And just get to the place that like, hey, I you know, I heard Aaron say diets don't work, right? That people are going to regain weight. I need to unpack that. I need to like really sit with that. And I would recommend there's a book called The Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. And it really goes through a ton of data about why diets don't work, right? And why they are ultimately going to fail us no matter what they are, right? I'm, I'm 50. I've been around long enough to know what was before keto, right? To like, you know, cabbage soup diet, Pritikin, it, it was low fat. It was, you know, it's, it, it changes over time. They're all the same, right? It's all the same noise. It's all the same bullshit. None of them work. If diets worked, people would go on one and then they would never have to go on a diet again. So, so maybe it's unpacking some of that with body image things. You know, I think that's a harder, a harder like place to give advice. And the reason is I wish there were more resources for dudes, right? I wish that there was a more spaces I could say, Hey, read this book or, or do this. Um, that's a dude talking about this issue. There aren't many. Um, I just started a new podcast called men unscripted and I'm interviewing men 
to talk about their body story and they're doing it anonymously so they can like really be honest about what it's like for them to live in their body. But other than that, I don't know too many other resources where guys are talking about body image, you know? So, you know, you might need to read a book like The Body is Not an Apology, right? You might need to read um, some books that are written by female identified folks and like sort of translate that into, into your own sort of understanding or language. The last thing I will say is my best advice right now is to be curious, right? Just like have an open mind to like maybe doing things a little bit differently and that it's okay to do it differently, right? It's okay that your body might not be as small as you want it to, or a society says it needs to be, or that you're not as muscular as you want it to be. It's going to be okay. Like it's all right. You know, it's all right to sort of give up some of these like pursuits because you'll have energy for so much other stuff. A lot of the, the rhetoric that I'm hearing is coming from um, practicing it with a lot of people that are trying to lose weight. Um, a lot of our um, listening audience, at least among those that I'm familiar with, have all at some point decided that they wanted to get bigger. Um, which is mm -hmm. quite the opposite. Um, I've been that guy who would go out to restaurants with friends and wouldn't order because I had to eat my rice, broccoli, and chicken that I brought in my Tupperware. Um, and that was at a time when I wasn't eating intuitively. And I've come to understand that it's okay. Eat what you want and make it work. Um, so to those kinds of guys who aren't necessarily looking at dropping weight. Um, I know you said that there aren't too many resources out there um, to help deal with, with body image issues, but, and maybe this isn't necessarily um, something you deal with so much in your line of work, you'll have to tell me, but for the young guy who feels skinny and feels like he wants to kind of bulk up there's, it's, it's a tough way to go about it because it's something that really takes so much extra. Like you're eating to a point where it's almost uncomfortable if you want to do that. And you go through periods where you just hate eating, like it's painful. Um, and so that's potentially a way where you could develop a harmful relationship with food. Um, how can someone who hasn't gone through so much experience with that avoid the trial and error where it's going to be det detrimental to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the preventative question, right? How do we help that person who's like, you know, teenager, young adult, just sort of like maybe diving into this. Um, the term you're actually sort of looking for, it's actually sort of, there's again, a, a lot of research around it. It's called bigorexia. And it's like this eating disorder where folks, you know, usually men are preoccupied with getting bigger, right? And, and when you say eating to the point of it being painful, in an eating disorder vernacular, that's called a binge, right? So periods of restriction and binges with periods of like intense workout in the hopes of getting bigger. 
if it, when it becomes regimented and like, again, takes over someone's life and, and it, you know, that sort of example of bringing your Tupperware, I mean, those, that's sort of where eating disorders show up. That's what eating disorders sort of look like, you know? So for the, for the person out there, who's like, just like sort of maybe diving into this and wanting to be bigger, I'm going to, I'm going to use a lot of the same language right now that I've used before. And that is one, your, the goal in your head to be bigger might not be what you're physically able to achieve, right? Some people are going to build muscle in, in, in a very significant way. Some people are not, no matter how much you work out, right? But I think it's the idea that I need to, I think it starts with the idea that I need to look bigger. I need to be bigger. I guess my first question is why? Who's saying that? That's the should, right? That's the should that I want to question. The next one is, you know, much to what, what you said earlier, right? And, and, and Jonah, you said is like, if you love doing it, do it. That's great. If it moving your body, lifting weights, great mental health strategy. Absolutely. But if it's becoming to the, the place where like, it's beyond that, it's like, I, again, I have to do this um, to allow yourself some space that like, you really don't have to do this, right? You, like there's, there are other ways, there are other things you can do both to build muscle, but also to like help like move your body. The, I think the hardest part for the people who are just getting into this is like, I don't know how many other folks in the gym, right? Like the gym owner or like the trainer are going to go up and ask like, Hey, I see you here like twice a day, five days a week. I think you need to take a break, right? Is everything okay? Like, tell me about your, your regimen, right? So I don't think there's anyone above them, like in the fitness world providing a curious mind to say like, hey, you might be taking it too far, right? Let me help you dial it back. Let me help you like find a more sustainable way to do this so it isn't becoming harmful. And I think that's that's what I would really hope, right? Is that there's someone in that gym who pulls that person aside and says, you know what? You, there's a different way to do this. It doesn't have to be this way. There's actually a, a guy that you just reminded me of I used to follow on Instagram. He was in his 20s and he was getting famous because he was on this streak of thousands of days without a day off. He had a heart attack and died in his 20s. Yeah. Um, this guy, yeah. Wow. extremely regimented uh, food and working out. And I, I remember him posting polls like, should I break the 2000 day streak and take a day off today? And yes, would win, but he'd still go. Um, and, yeah. and then he paid the ultimate price. Yeah. And, and you know what? Eating disorders are, you know, arguably like the number one mental health killer, right? Across all genders, you know, they're, they're incredibly, um, they're incredibly lethal. This might be just for more curiosity sake, but mm -hmm. in your line of work, um, 
you and earlier you mentioned that you've seen uh, past diets fade in and out as a broader referendum on the the lack of you know di- like success with dieting writ large. I'm curious right now and in the you know future, like what do you see as the emerging diet trends and uh, on top of what you, the advice you've already provided concerning intuitive eating, mm-hmm. um, are there are there certain foods or meals that you just would recommend or talk to your patients about incorporating in their diet as a part of intuitive eating? If it's something that they're, you know, if you're talking to a fitness bro who is subsi- like who is completely subsisting on chicken broccoli rice. How, in addition to these mindset shifts, what are some like tactical steps they can take to kind of reverse their dieting, especially if it's been just ingrained in them either through media themselves, their, their gym community. Yeah. Uh, chicken, broccoli and rice is like the saddest meal I can think of. Like no offense, but it's fucking sad. Like I think of like the, the blandness of that meal. Right. And I, no wonder like you would want to have trouble like stomaching or like shoving that down after weeks. Like it's fucking boring. Um, so, you know, I honestly, it's interesting as a dietitian, I talk less about like nutrients and more about like what foods are really satisfying. Right. I talk about like, what foods do you really enjoy? I spend more time talking about Uh, There's a great cookbook. I'm going to get the order wrong. So I apologize, but called salt, acid, salt, fat, heat, acid by Samin Nosrat. I spend more time talking with folks about how can we get some salt, acid, fat, and heat in your food? Because it's going to taste yummy, right? Let's make your food really flavorful and enjoy and enjoyable. I don't, there's fiber in it. That's great. If it there, yeah, I want protein in it. Yeah. I want a balanced plate with carbs and and veg and fruit and all that stuff. And I want you to have, you know, a cupcake too, right? Like it's like, I want food to be enjoyable. I think that's number like sort of like a big thing I, I I lean into. I think the emerging thing and, and why I'm so interested like to, to come on a show like this is I think the emerging diet trend is bro culture. I think it's like biohacking. I think it's like, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I was listening to this dude and he said, if I combine this, this many grams of protein and this many like grams of carbs with this at this time, right. I'm going to hack my, my like biology to make it like work more efficiently that I think, you know, and, and again, I think of diet culture is really like insidious. Darth Vader right here, right? I think Darth Vader is diet culture. It, the untapped market is bro culture, you know? And so I think, I think the emerging area is like coming from like a fitness mindset, right? I'm going to take this many supplements. I'm going to take this many grams of protein. I'm going to like do all of this because this is how I hack the system. This is how I make, you know, I'm going to design, I'm, this is what I am given from biology, but I'm going to make it better by doing all this stuff. And this is where I see the, like the mindset shift coming. So, so into play such that like, say, I mean, I don't know the way you've described it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty heavily skeptical that one could eat protein and carbs in a certain 
uh, ratio at a certain time and then boom, just transform their body. But I don't suppose that that fringe bro is, is correct. I, I, the amount of effort time, like just rearrangement of values and priorities in your life to, to do that. I just cannot possibly seem worth it. Um, and so, and I, I yeah. think you're right. It, it, it I mean, well, I, entirely right. Like, I think it, it, like it, it really necessitates a, like a readjustment of why you would want to do that yeah. in the first place or why you would want to sacrifice, not even yeah. from like, a. It's not like you have to like give up uh, or it's not like, you know, go eat a ton of unhealthy foods or give up on the gym. It's just like, wow, where is a, a some semblance of, of balance or yeah. just otherness yeah. in life? Yeah. If I see another video of like some influencer doing meal prep on Sunday with like 21 sad meals, I, I'm going to throw my phone through the roof. I mean, it's like, it's just like, there's probably a better way to spend your weekend and making a bunch of sad meals, putting them in Tupperware and filming it for me. <laughs> that, was, that was me in high school. I used to do that, but I, I saw just as much progress doing that as eating pop tarts every single day as my pre-workout meal. Um, right. It takes years. Like it took me five, six years to start seeing through the, the bro culture bullshit and learning to kind of do it intuitively. Yeah. Um, and that there's not just one way to do it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it took me a long time too. Like I, if I would have heard myself when I was like in the midst of all the crap I was doing in my twenties, I, I was like, you're that's nuts. Like I, I would have changed a channel. Right. So I think I, I'm fine with people doing it in their own time. Right. It doesn't, I'm not, I'm not a my way or highway kind of person. I'm like, here's the message. Here's what I think is going to be really helpful. And I'm not just doing it because I, you know, I'm not just saying it because it's what I do. It's what I see work in with my clients is here. It's what research bears out. And some people are going to hear it and not be ready to hear it yet. And that's fine. Right. It, it's there later. It's funny. Reed and I used to, I'm, I'm now, I'm now learning or just a lot more to think about this. Reed and I used to uh, see a trainer together. Um, and Shout out Max. He, he's listening. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know exactly where I'm going to. He, I think his perspective on this was probably a little bit more, uh, and he's a bodybuilder. It was a little bit more on the, like the carbohydrates are important for my training, which like, I, you know, I think carbs are valuable for, you know, you know, energy production, glucose, uh, however that, that works and, and fuels performance. Um, but he would, he would, uh, my, 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 my dad told me, just thought it was hilarious. Um, he would, he would have like a couple donuts before, before a workout, uh, for the carbs. And I, it's, it's, it's pretty funny, but it's awesome. Like Reed and I would do that all the time. Um, when we had like a big workout an exciting workout coming up and it's just a really interesting way to incorporate like your yeah desire to execute well in the gym to to see the results you want to gain from them but also recognize that donuts are awesome and if you really like them it's a great way to incorporate it and have just a a way more balanced and healthy and just non-restrictive relationship to an activity you really like and, and a body that that is yours for forever yeah um, and so yeah. i i really appreciate uh if, if nothing else aaron i really appreciate that you drew this insight out from just something that's been a part of Reed and I's lives for like 10 years. Awesome. Love it. Um, sweet. Well, as we wrap up, we have a, a little, 
what most people think is not trivia, but they clearly have no appreciation for alliterations. Um, clearly call it, take it on trivia. Um, would love to just hear about, um, your, your favorite, your favorite books, your favorite hobbies, pop culture passions. I think we've established, um, and just like any other kind of wellness, mental health habits that, that are important to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, well, I'm going to talk about Star Wars. Uh, I love Star Wars and I am old enough to have seen Star Wars in the theater uh, when I was like six or seven and it was life-changing. I was like, holy mackerel, this story is amazing. Like the first time you see Darth Vader, you're like, this is a badass. Like, I don't, I'm afraid of him, but I love him all at the same time. Um, and, and so, you know, I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life. Um, the reason it is sort of, sort of rekindled in a lot of ways is because I saw a shirt one time that said, judge me by my size, do you? And it was at uh, Disneyland. And this is probably like, probably nine years ago now. And it was as I was like doing all this work on myself too, around body image. And I was like, did Yoda really say that? Like, and <laughs> when and why? And he did. He says it in Empire Strikes Back as he's training Luke. And there's this whole little paragraph where he says, judge me by my size, do you? And well, you should not because my ally is a force, is the force, right? And he goes on and on. And it got me thinking like, Yoda has some wisdom, especially around these topics. So I love Yoda because it makes me think about, um, well, it, it makes me think about, you know, I mentioned Darth Vader's as diet culture, right? I think hating our bodies and fighting with our bodies is the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, you know? And that is the journey most people are on around their body. So I think about how do we cultivate Yoda moments where we can be more at peace with our body, um, be more kind to it. And that's sort of like what being a Jedi around our body is. And so that, you know, I love all these sort of metaphors uh, that it brings me. I have my Star Wars tattoo is the Rebel Alliance with the word hope in it because there's a line from uh, Rogue One that says, um, rebellions are built on hope. And Generous all the stuff up. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, all, my, all, these, all these things to me are like a rebellion, right? It's a rebellion against this is how everyone else thinks about bodies. Let's come at it from a different angle. So I think of this as a rebellion and I, I like being a rebel. I am not the status quo. Like I am, I, I'm a rebel in a lot of ways and I like being a rebel. Um, so Star Wars is pretty, pretty deep for me. Like I just watched Obi-Wan. It's really good. If you haven't watched it, I don't know why you haven't. Um, it, so yeah, I just, I love, I love Star Wars. That's awesome. I, I, also, also give a shout out. I love Metallica and I love sports. Uh, I'm a college sports fan. So I'm a big UCLA Bruins fan. Um, so did you hear it come out today games. that they're thinking about leaving the Pac-12, the Big Ten? I know. Yep. Crazy. All about the Crazy. Money. All about the money. Yep. And, uh, but, but if I get to like see Michigan and go to the big house and watch my Bruins play, I'm down. Let me you know. should come I'll, by. I'll you should come game. by the shoe and get smacked down too. Uh, we will get smacked down. I mean, that's 
inevitable, right? I think um, personally, I think it's cooler for for basketball. Big Ten basketball is gonna be at another level because um, UCLA yeah. and USC aren't like the greatest football programs. Well, don't don't say that to a Trojan. Uh, Are you a Trojan? They, Lincoln, they might... Lincoln Riley no. is gonna change change some stuff. Eden Slovis. Listen, Very the way you all you, right? y'all are. Y'all are uh, I'm a Buckeye. Ohio State fans. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I went to Michigan. I'm I'm on board with you coming to the big house. Okay. So like the 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 vitriol between Michigan and the Ohio the Ohio State uh is on par for UCLA USC. We're just in the same town. Uh so it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Luckily for Jonah and I, we uh we built our relationship before either of us became respective Wolverines and Buckeyes. Yeah. Or else the show may not be here today. Listen, you all are just bringing communities together. <laughs> well said, Aaron. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, this has been this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aaron. It was great to meet you and speak with you. Yeah, it's yeah, been my pleasure. Absolute delight. Really appreciate and, and look up to all the work you're doing and, and keep being a rebel. All right, will do. Awesome. Take it easy. Enjoy your fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Reed, that was awesome. I feel like we both really enjoyed it. A lot of content that I was not expecting, honestly, and in a, in a great way. Um, and so I think it was really, I, at least selfishly for both of us, I feel like it was really cool to hear his perspective on yeah. uh, intuitive eating and, and lifting and bro culture and a lot of wisdom. I think he's doing a great mission and maybe we'll be on his podcast at some point. Yeah, you know, at first I was trying to like hold myself back from like I can tell. argumentative with him um, because at first, like I really didn't agree with a lot of what he was saying. But um, once I started listening a little bit more and and started um, just like trying to hear what he had to say, definitely came around and, and found some common ground. So I'm, I'm glad I, uh, I held myself back a little bit, but take 31. It's been great. We're coming up. Dude, this... We won't get into it today. We'll get into it with the anniversary, but it's been one hell of a year, man. Yes, sir. All right. We are out of here. Take 31. Deuces. Deuces. All right. See you, bro. Enjoy your tea time. <laughs>